Everybody has an opinion on how church should go or what church should be like. If I put you up here and sat, took, I stood in your place, you'd do it differently. And that's what makes us human, I guess. We all have an opinion. Brother Churchill said, uh, opinions are like noses. Everybody has a different one, right? But let's get into the Word. One thing we should all agree on is that church should be about the Word of God. It should always be about the Word of the Lord. And I am reading today to visitors, to home folk, leadership, and followers, wherever you might be in life. I'm reading, with your help, from 2 Chronicles chapter 30. 2 Chronicles chapter 30. I'm going to read from 16 through verse 20, 2 Chronicles chapter 30. And they stood in their place after their manner. According to the law of Moses, the man of God, the priest sprinkled the blood which they received of the hand of the Levites, for there were many in the congregation that were not sanctified. Set apart, separated, prepared for a particular place in God's work, in God's hand. They were not sanctified. Therefore, the Levites had the charge of the killing of the Passovers for everyone. Everyone that was not clean to sanctify them unto the Lord. For a multitude of the people, even many of Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves. Yet did they eat the Passover otherwise than it was written, but Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, The good Lord pardon everyone. I want people praying for me like that. I want people that though they're in the midst of uncleanness, they know how to pray. They're not influenced by evil. They're not influenced by sin. They're not influenced by pressure of life. They know how to pray. The good Lord pardon everyone that prepares his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. And the Lord hearkened unto Hezekiah and healed the people. He prayed. God pardoned your people, and God responded by healing the people. Do we know today that to be forgiven of our sin is a healing act of God? It isn't just mind over matter making me feel good. It is a healing act of God to be forgiven of our sins. God pardoned everybody, and God healed the congregation. My thought today is pardon granted. Pardon granted. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your good work in the house of the Lord. Among this precious people today, help us, God, to walk in the place you have ordained for us to walk, to live for you with all of our heart and all of our mind, soul, and strength. Give us that which we need today, Lord. Help us leave here differently than we came, and we'll give you all the praise for it. Look at somebody and say, pardon granted. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Pardon 
granted. Mr. Webster said pardon is amnesty or remission or to relieve one of a penalty. Amnesty, remission, or to relieve one of a penalty. I will never forget as a child in the local library reading the life story, according to this author, of the infamous, the notorious Jesse James, who, who went throughout Missouri marauding and robbing and murdering all in the name of the law of the Confederacy. And I remember reading the part at near the end of that particular book where he was granted not only local pardon, but nationwide amnesty. And all of the plundering, of course, Hollywood makes it seem one thing, and sometimes authors make it seem glamorous. But for someone as devious and dark as Jesse and Frank James to find favor in someone who holds the law over their, their destiny. I was so impressed to read that last couple of paragraphs that they were pardoned of every transgression. Now, the problem with that to thinkers who go along negative lines is, what about the people's families of those he murdered? But please don't go down that that hole with me this morning. Let's just think about being relieved of a penalty, of remission of sin, of amnesty of our transgression. Everybody in this room has sinned. Everybody on this platform has transgressed. Everybody has committed villainous acts of heinous nature. And under Article 2, Section Q, Section 2 of the Constitution of the United States, I quote, that the President of the United States of America has the power granted to him to give reprieves, pardons, or amnesty for federal crimes committed in the United States. George Washington granted the first presidential pardon. And the practice has continued for over 200 years. Do you know, or are you aware of this? I'm sure you're not. I wasn't until I read this. That in the 20th century alone, over, over 20,000 presidential pardons were granted to people either convicted to life in prison or to, on death row, all because of the signature of one man with the power to forgive or relieve And as often as this occurs, it so frequently happens right before a person leaves the office. They're, they're trying to find a place of, of uh, acceptance and favor, and maybe it's just something that's been brought to them. People petition the president's office for their sons and their daughters, their kinfolk or their loved ones. They petition the powers that be to look into this particular case so that maybe they can be relieved of a penalty. Don't know if you've heard this name before, and I don't mean that to be insulting, but Dr. Samuel Mudd, M-U-D-D, -D, 
was allegedly involved in the plot to assassinate President Abraham Lincoln. In fact, not alleged, but in fact, Dr. Mudd set John Wilkes Booth broken leg after Booth had carried out the heinous act of killing the 16th president of the United States. Dr. Mudd was captured, sentenced to life in prison, sent to Fort Jefferson on an island off the coast of Florida. While he was there, the fort experienced an outbreak of yellow fever, which killed the prison physician. Out of this mayhem, Dr. Mudd's profession was called upon, stepped in, applied the science that he knew, applied the medicine background that he had, and the fever was stopped. I'm not saying he was solely responsible, but he got in the middle of it, rolled up his proverbial sleeves, and helped in that disastrous event. That single act of heroism just doing what he'd been trained to do, gained him favor. And the man, Andrew Johnson, who replaced Abraham Lincoln, granted him presidential pardon and brought him out of that prison cell. Sometimes things go on, we just don't understand why they've been granted favor. But God, who is in, control, in charge of all judgment... God who's in charge of all acts of mercy and kindness. But legally, the President of the United States can pardon almost anyone at almost any time. Question for you today. Have you ever been asked for forgiveness? I'm not saying have you ever asked for forgiveness. Have you ever been asked by somebody for your forgiveness and not given it? Oh, you don't know what they did, Pastor Herring. You don't know what they said. You don't know how they stole from me, robbed me, took my peace. I'm saying, has anybody ever begged for your mercy and you turned a deaf ear to them? It's intimidating to me, to say the least, to have someone's life in your hands. It is not an, uh, something you should revere and desire. It's frightful. It's scary to have someone's freedom in your hands. Because we are subject to opinions and pressure and ideas and what if and how could you. Sometimes we get caught between two pressures of life. Someone saying they got what they deserved and you shouldn't interfere with judgment. And the other side saying, but they've repented. They're trying to change. Won't you at least grant mercy or leniency? But realistically, we do that on a daily basis. We have people's lives in our hands every day. I don't mean, but it does include your kids your family, your friends, people you work with, that's included. But I don't mean just getting behind the wheel of a car and taking other people's lives in our hands or, or work hazards that we engage in. I'm talking about deeper than that. I worked with a man years and years ago. Good friend of mine. 
very good friend of mine, happy guy, always seeing the good side of things. He was the biggest retail klutz I'd ever worked with. He broke everything. He crashed everything. He burned out batteries. We begged for things like power pallet jacks, you know, instead of the man. We begged for those powered ones. When we got him, he messed the batteries up. He dropped things, broke things, tore things. He was a walking accident. But a good guy, a happy person, you couldn't help but love him. He just was so carefree and happy-go-lucky. And I would, he was in my department. I'd say, come on, focus, man, focus. You've got people's lives in your hands. You're driving a pallet, got 9,000 pounds of gold metal flour on it. Be careful when you go around corners. Look around, the, look around that wall. Be, don't just go full speed. And, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right. Here we go. And I mean it across, the, I'm not exaggerating, across the door you'd hear, crash. I didn't know Tim was working today. I'm not talking about hazards we involve ourselves in every day like that, but I'm talking about deeper, more spiritual things. We hold the power of life and death in our words, the Bible said. We can speak life and forgiveness or death and tyranny and judgment and hostility and rebellion. It's, it's a very frightening thing to hold people's lives, future, present, past in your hands. No wonder Paul the Apostle told Timothy, don't try to get where I am. You're still a novice. Because when you get lifted up with pride, you'll fall into the condemnation of the devil. That's in your Bible. Because sometimes there needs to be a little maturing and experience. You show me people that have no mercy, I'll show you people that usually are young and they've never been through anything in their life. I'm not saying always the case that they're young. There's some people just grow up hard and stubborn and they want everybody to go to hell except themselves. It's scary to have per a person's life in your hands. The hazards that befall us, the stumbling blocks that life puts in our way and spiritual dimensions put in our way, it's hard enough to keep me saved. You need the victory, Pastor. I think I've got it, at least today, I mean, right now. <laughs> but it's difficult enough, Brother Michael, to keep myself right with God, keep my mind clear of the clutter. But when other people's lives are put in your hands, it's difficult. I'm talking about this example of John 20, verse 23. Jesus said to the apostles, Whosoever sins you remit are remitted. But whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. I know this steps off into Acts chapter 2, and we'll get there, Lord willing. But think about that verse right there. He said there's power in every one of our hands to hold on to things or let them go. If you want to retain it or hold on to it, he said, you can do that. I give you the power to think that way. It's frightening to me that someone could go another day in life 
afraid of life, afraid of judgment, all because I didn't grant them leniency. I love to remind, not like, I love to remind harsh people. And I know I'm, we're all guilty of being harsh at one time or another. That's some, to some of us, that's our protection devices. It is true. Not saying it's okay, but to some of us who can't process things in life as quickly as others, that's our protection device. But I love to remind harsh people about John 8, verse 7. John 8, verse 7, when they continued asking, he lifted himself up. He stood up, what that means, and said to them, tell you what, you that have a clean slate, a perfect record, never violated one rule, never broke one law, never hurt anybody, never harmed anything, you go ahead and pick up the first stone. Because to anybody, by the way, thank you, Facebook people, for being on there. I've already heard of some names of people that are on there. We love you. But to think that I might withhold mercy from someone who's diligently seeking it, I guarantee you, you're going to reap what you sow. And if I don't grant mercy where God's telling me to grant mercy, down the road, I'm going to want someone to give me mercy. You reap what you sow. He that's without sin should be the one that can cast or can cast the first stone. Let's remember Romans 3.23, because all have sinned. All have sinned. Every preacher, every mother, every saint, every father, every pastor, every physician, every dentist, every plumber, every electrician, every mom, dad, son, or daughter, everybody has sinned. And come short. And no wonder Paul wrote in Romans 3 verse 10 that there is none righteous. No, not one. David said, we are shaped in iniquity, Psalm 51.5. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Talking about the curse of sin. So it's not as simple. It's involved, but it's not as simple as saying good versus bad. Because we all need one thing. We need Jesus. Everybody. It's not so far-fetched to think that at times you're in the place of Jesus to people reaching to you for mercy in their life. Can't stand, I can't stand gossip spreaders and rumor mongers. They don't understand, or if they do, they're ignoring the damage they're inflicting on people. And I, I, wish, I wish I could turn into a mirror when people start telling me, did you know he said, did you know what she did? I, I think every time, hey, stop. I'm their pastor as well as your pastor. I'm not justifying wrong. But I am saying we all need a Savior. 
And I don't know of another with greater power to forgive sin, to pardon my, my being, to grant leniency than a Savior today. Isaiah 55, 7. God, the Bible said he will abundantly pardon. See that last line? He will abundantly pardon. We don't have to beg him. We don't have to write letters and get character witnesses to come. We don't have to get so-and-so to vouch for us. He will abundantly pardon. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and from all. Well, you don't know my past, Pastor Herring, and you don't know my past. And it's the devil's will for you to focus on mistakes you've made. And never let it leave your mind. Never let it leave your own impression of yourself. Every time you get to feeling good about yourself and feeling the Lord, what, what happens? Here he comes. John called him the accuser of the brethren who stands before God and accuses you and I day and night. And if, it, if the devil's not enough, there's the friends of Job that come and say, it's your fault, Job. You're not in this problem because of, of me. It's your sin, Job. I'd rather live a life of absolute isolation than to have friends like Job's friends. But every day he reminds me of what I used to be. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Anybody in here that you've repented of things, you've brought things to the altar of your life, you've talked to God about them, say, I, was, I don't even know what I was thinking, it was inexcusable, I just goofed up a hundred times. Forgive me, I want to do better, empower me to do better, help me to think better. And you, you know you're in the will of God, you know you've been redeemed and forgiven and that, that sin's been expunged from your life. But you go right back out, you get in the car, and before long that thought comes back. And if you entertain that thought before long, you forgot all about that mercy granted to you at an altar somewhere. Because the devil's trying to convince you, you'll never live that down. Talking about pardon being granted. One of your favorite stories, many of you have told me, in the Bible, in the Gospels at least, is Luke chapter 5. And it's the story of that paralyzed man. And he's born of four. And they come to the house where Jesus is, and the place is full and, you know, they don't say, well, let's just wait and catch him when he leaves. Let's get in his way so that he has to see us on the, at the end of service, etc. cetera. Um, no, 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 no. They went up to the flat roof of the home, and they said one way or the other, we've got to get our brother into the presence of the Lord. I wonder what's going to happen when we get him into the presence of the Lord. He's going to get good counsel and good advice. He's going to get solid direction. He's going to get counsel that will help him be better than when he came. 
I appreciate it. We could write a book off what we think's in the mind of the four. But their actions say a lot to us, don't they? They didn't just get discouraged because they couldn't find a parking space. It's a pleasant problem to have. But they said the need is greater than this uncomfortable place we're placed in today. And here, check this out. They let him down. The whole church service changes direction on a dime. All of a sudden, church is about this paralyzed man now. And Jesus, remember our text, the preacher said, pardon them, and Jesus did what? He healed them. And in Luke chapter 5, when Jesus said, hey, take up your bed, your sins are forgiven. Luke 5, 21, these preachers get upset about it. Wait, he hasn't gone through protocol yet. Let me get my list out. And I'm not putting down the fact that there, there are certain things that have to be adhered to in, in living for God. It's not just a free-for-all. can't just love Jesus and live wrong. Let me just tell you this. I used to say this all the time, and I forgot all about it until it just jumped into my brain right now. You can't live wrong and die right. I know... I know religion wants us to think of the deathbed confession. And all the while, people ignore the hundreds of times God is saying while we're living, why don't you look for mercy? Why don't you look for help? Why don't you look for... You can't abuse the privilege of God's goodness. Paul said God will not be mocked. So to him that knows to do good... And does it not, it's sin. Okay, I, I, To me, it's foolish. It's silly to think, I'll get right when I'm told I have 24 hours to live. How many people just, well, anyway. You don't have, sometimes people, life doesn't give you the 24-hour notice. I'm trying to be happy today. Some of you look sad. I'm not trying to be sad here. But these religious people said, wait a second here. You talking forgiveness of sin in church? What gives you authority? Man, where have we sunk to in life, huh? When people can't come to church and find mercy. Where have we sunk to when we, people come to the house of God and can't, can't find forgiveness? And they were mad at the Lord. Because he not only healed, but he pardoned. I like what they said. They were 100% spot on, Sister Amber, with their question. Who can forgive sins but God only? Forgive me, Lord. Don't mean to be presumptuous. I'm not trying to add to or take away. And I'll even bow when I say this. But if I'd have been there, I'd have said, Nobody but Jesus. Nobody can wipe the slate clean but Jesus. So there was some unction in them leading him down the right path. But they missed the point. 
Micah 7:18, who is like him that pardons iniquity. Luke 5:25, the bottom line was the lame man was made whole when his sins were forgiven. Can't tell you the number of times people have told me that when we put them down in, in the tank in the name of Jesus and they received the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, numerous times people have told me that ailment left my body. That ailment left my joint. I haven't had headaches since then. Various things. With forgiveness of sins, there's a twin sister that works right along and it's healing. And the Bible said he picked up the stretcher and went home. I like it. I like it. I like it. He came to church, Brother Michael Berge, with his back on the stretcher. But he left church with the stretcher on his back. That's what happens when you, you come to church and you encounter truth. You encounter the presence of the Lord. I feel sorry for people. I especially feel sorry for leaders who are bored with the whole process of it all. The fire's gone out in their own personal life and prayer, prayer life. They look for reasons away from drawing near to God than reasons to get near to God. I feel sorry for you. Now, I'm not, I'm not beating you up. I'm just saying I have great sympathy for that because the goodness of God has never departed us. The mercy of God has never left us. God has never abandoned us. Sometimes when you sense it's you that's in that place, you need to pray, God, would you please restore unto me the joy of your salvation? Restore it unto me. I'm telling you, to be saved is a good place to be. To be full of God's spirit is a happy place to be. To be forgiven of your sins is a joyous place to be. And Nehemiah said that he is a God ready to pardon. Ready to pardon. He's sitting there loaded, ready to go. Just like the president can randomly or intentionally spot a name, look at his predicament or situation, and say, I'm going to override all the judge's rulings, all the evidence stacked against him or her, and I'm going to sign that pardon. Go unlock their cell. Get them out of that cell block. Get them out of that dark place. Get them out of that hole in, hole in life. Do you remember that's how it was when you came out of darkness into his marvelous light when you realized all that you used to be had been washed away in the blood of the lamb what a precious place to be Lord I don't ever want to forget that don't ever let me forget how good the Holy Ghost is to have in my life this is what David said in 2 Samuel 24 now look, I sat through four and five hours every day of nonstop preaching last week, all right? So I'm not going to be deterred by your yawns when I'm 23 minutes in. I got a text from the coordinator of all the services last week in the middle of the service. 
How are you holding up back there? I said, well, you know, a break would be nice. Well, anyway, you that were there know what I'm talking about. David said unto Gad, the prophet, I am in a great strait, Sister, Sister Carlisle. You get a, a great position where you're not sure what to do, as we discussed this morning. You don't even know what direction to go. David said, I'm there. I don't even know what to do. He just says, here's what I feel like asking you, God. Let me fall into the merciful hands of the Lord. His mercies are great. Don't let me fall into the hands of man. Yep. Why is that? Because David knew just what you and I know. Too often, too frequently, men are quick to judge and not forgive. Men are quick to criticize, damn, condemn, instead of set the captive free. I've got news for you, though. That scripture back in John 20, 23, when Jesus told the disciples, whosoever sins you remit are remitted and retained are retained, he's telling you and I that the plan of salvation is more than enough to remit and forgive people's sins. Make sure you carry it with respect. You're not the author of judgment. And you, we, you and I have, he's telling all of us, we have no right to make people do more then God's word demands of them. Seek the mercy of God. David said, don't let me fall into the hands of men. Men are harsh and critical. So how do you and I find that pardon today? Romans 4, 8, Paul said it's a blessed thing. It's a good thing. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Used to sing the old Pentecostal song. He took my sins away. He took my sins away. He keeps me singing every day. I'm so glad he took my sins away. He took my sins away. Some people hold things against their brother and their sister, either literally in their families or spiritually in the family of God. But Mr. Webster said, it means remission, amnesty, to relieve one of a penalty. Oh, that feels good. To know you come bearing a burden that the devil will never let you lay down. And you're just looking for an avenue of compassion. Remember that? Webster said it, to be pardoned is to be given remission. You must be born again, John 3, 7. That's for sure. To be pardoned is to receive remission. And then along comes the Apostle Peter. And I, I stand against every religious... Flow, every religious power that is 
that tells you the sinner's prayer is in Romans chapter 10? No, it's not. Got two rights out of that. Romans is an epistle written to people already in the church, born again of water and spirit. Romans is not the book that reveals the plan of salvation. Paul in Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 is encouraging us to continue on our testimony of faith, to live free from the judgment, the lack of remission, confess it, talk about your salvation, preach it, testify about it. But along comes Luke writing of this carryings on going on in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. And in verse 37, they said, felt convicted in their sin. And men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter comes along in Acts 2.38 and says, repent. Repent and be baptized. Those Jews, wait, go back, go back. Acts 2.38, not Luke 2. Acts 2.38, you just had it on there. Someone did. That's Luke 2.38. Acts 2.38, bro, would you put that on there for me? No, it's all good. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the what? The pardon. Now, when, when the law, law laid down its life, its last judgment, in the New Testament, the plan of God, the, the letter in life came. The plans changed. That's why you don't see Acts 2.38. This is not a quote from the Old Testament. They offered physical sacrifices then. Jesus came as the one and last sacrifice. And so to hear him say, I've taken your, I've taken your sins away. Remission doesn't mean just he shelved them until he deals with them later. They used to tell us in ministry 101 years ago, haven't heard a preacher say this except myself in a long time, but you could confess and offer a sacrifice in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you repent and you participate in the presence of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God by being buried in his name. And so you can't just confess, as 1 John 1, 9 says, that's an epistle written to people in the church. To get into that place of pardoning takes repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and filling of the Holy Ghost. After that, if we goof up, that's when we confess, we repent again, we bring it to God to renew us. Pardon. The man, Dr. Samuel Mudd, Jesse James, the notorious, infamous, murdering, marauding, law-breaking, didn't have to go back to the next presidential regime and seek pardon again. It's done. It's done. My, my aunt, Sister Teresa's mom, used to sing, Oh, the sweetest words I've ever heard is, I forgive and when you take all the name above all other names in a watery grave of baptism, your sins are pardoned. His name in blood has been written on your record. 
on your past, on every charge, accusation. And so when the devil reminds you next week about the things that have been pardoned, he's just trying to get you to go backwards. See, the plan of salvation brings divine pardon. I said all that to say this. If you want to be free from the guilt, if you want to break the shackles of reliving everything, you have to find divine pardon. And you do that by repenting. Get rid of your fear. Don't let, as Brother Josh preached last month the time to grow, don't make decisions based out of fear. Make them based out of faith in God. Repent of your sins. Have the nerve to come up here and say, Pastor Herring, I've never been baptized in Jesus' name. Let's get that part of the pardon taken care of right now. You see, I repent to bring them all to the throne of grace. They're pardoned me when I take on his name in a watery grave. Then Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if any man, 517, got that, anybody? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Yeah, yeah. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We'll wait a if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Did you get that? Leave it up there, please. All things are pardoned. All things are wiped away. All things are gone from your record. Say, well, pastor, I used to be a drunk. That's so far in the past. God doesn't even remember it, I believe that. Micah 7, 19, you won't have that. He cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Brother Bear quoted that scripture in in this church years ago. Micah 7, 19, he cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea, and he added this, and God posts the sign, no fishing. First John 2. My little children. This is a letter to the church. People already born again. If any man, he said, be in Christ, a new creature. My little children, that's any man. Not talking to kids. It's generic language for children of God. These things write I unto you that you sin not. Don't, don't just go back into it and say, well, I'll, God will have my back. That's mocking God. He said, I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate, a go-between. We have an attorney, someone that will stand between us and the judge. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. He's the one that absorbed it all. When he said, Father, forgive them. Take this cup from me. He was absorbing it all. 
Not for ours only, but for also the sins of the whole world. I'm talking about divine pardon today. I couldn't wrap my mind around how Jesse and Frank James, who conspired to rob mothers of their babies, steal innocent people's money, burn down buildings that hardworking people had lifted, how a judge could look at them and say, I'm wiping the slate clean. Forgiveness is so much deeper than you and I can comprehend. That's why I don't want to trifle with it. When God brings you into his presence and wipes your sins away, don't ask for my interpretation. Don't ask for my commentary. That's a sc- I don't want to go. That's too frightening for me. If you've been born again, it's over with God. It's over with God. It's over with God. So don't, don't make people feel, I offer you that, don't make people feel less than normal or accepted because you think they, they owe you an apology when they come to church. If they're taking care of it at the altar, let's just assume. Let's just assume. Let's just take for granted. God wants me to forgive them as well. God wants you to forgive them as well. God wants you to let it go as well. Brother Nathaniel, you glad your pardon's been granted? <laughs> oh, I feel good in my soul today to know that if God calls me home right now, my record's clean. My slate is clean. My past is empty. Let's stand today. Oh, bless the Lord. Come on, praise him for your forgiveness. Praise him for that pardon. Praise him that he's been lenient on your soul. Oh, hallelujah. 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 What about it, friend? If you've never been down in that tank in the name of Jesus, why not today? Why not right now? Why don't you come up here in spite of your past? Oh, hallelujah.